Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Move Nourished podcast, where we discuss nutritious eating, functional movement, and herbal medicine to help you move, eat, and live better. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Forrest. We're clinical herbalists, movement coaches, and wellness nerds. Let's get started. So today, dear listeners, we are going to be getting on our soapboxes a little bit and <laughs> taking a stand against a sometimes ableist notion inside the movement world and the functional movement world especially, right? Just to jump right into the idea of movement is your birthright. We, Forrest, and I now speaking for both of us when I say that we believe that movement belongs to everyone with a body. And not only that, but I think more, even more importantly for the purposes of our episode today, it always has. Yeah. Our ancestors used a huge variety of movement patterns to do their thing in the wild and survive and thrive and specialize. And I think it's really important to shine a light on the fact that has always encompassed people of all abilities, right? Folks with limited mobility, folks with disabilities, folks that movement and ancestral movement doesn't just belong to the people who can run and hunt and jump over logs. Yeah, it's this interesting where it's a dialectical instead of a dichotomy, right? Mm -hmm. It's an where and and, not an and or. An and and, not an and or. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, movement is for everyone. It doesn't matter what you're able to do or where what your physical limitations i think that we have this culture around you're only moving well you're only an athlete if you're only ancestrally moving if you can do this or that the idea it, of like survival of the fittest and why that is like very ableist and then also historically inaccurate exactly but and on the other hand we have evolved these bodies that have been moving for thousands of years are as humans, we used historically for almost all of history, a wide variety of movement patterns that helped us to survive and thrive as individuals and in a community. And so it's only been this last little tiny speck of time that sliver. we've lived, mm -hmm. a sliver of time that we've lived in this sedentary, automated, individualistic, capitalistic society where we all of our lack of movement or our, our, Ex, or our, our movement outsourcing this, of movement. Yeah. Is this thing that we outsource in our daily life and then we bring back in our exercise and it's all up to us and all of these things. Before life moved us, we had communities and different individuals with different abilities and, and skill sets did different movements. And mm -hmm. that just was a part of the way that our communities interact just we develop language and different people have different language abilities and languages are different between different communities we had movements as a culture and, and I, this is really important particularly in the context of like when you and i talk about and when we reference this world of like natural movement and ancestral movement yes yes and i think that the modern phenomena of ancestral movement, like the resurgence, um, if you will, the resurgence, the la method natural, the move nat, those kind of things is moving back into this idea of the multiplicity and diversity of movement and how important that is that our ancestors moved in a lot more variety than we currently do in a lot of our athletic and exercise endeavors. That's still very individualistic. We also have to think of there's diversity at the of the individual, but there was also diversity in the community of movers. Mm -hmm. So some people were the ones that were spending a lot more time in our archetypal rest postures, sitting on the ground, preparing foods, crafting things, and 
really enriching their movement experience in that sphere versus you're more probably more in line with the move that philosophy your hunters who were yeah. running and climbing trees and jumping over rafts and all of that really awesome stuff which is great um and is a part of natural movement it's mm -hmm. just looking at that there was diversity in the way that we diversely moved and met our needs as a as communities yes you know, and, and then that's within that that we're yeah and it's and there was completely valid avenues to be a natural mover with a variety of abilities, people that were disabled in those cultures, the elderly in those cultures of the past and still of some places on this earth still today, there's ways of having that movement diversity that fits every member of those communities. Unfortunately, in our society where we don't have that kind of natural ecosystem oftentimes of community. Mm -hmm. We have to figure that out for ourselves of like, where does my natural movement fit in for my abilities, for what I'm driven to do with my movements? Where can I get more in touch with that? Yeah. And I think also now the question also morphs or is layered onto that question of if we're no longer, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, right? If we're no longer moving for survival, we're moving for health or we're moving for convenience or we have to build that mm -hmm. back in. What does that look like outside of this like mainstream narrative of gym culture, of mainstream narrative of even moving out like running and jumping and like climbing trees and doing pull-ups on trees and all of these things. Like what is that, what does a nourishing movement diet look like outside of this really strong narrative of like survival of the fittest, leaping through the woods or like lifting, slamming weights around? That is, I think, right. a really important question. And I think that's a really important consideration to us as programmers, right? As movement programmers that it's like peak performance. I want my clients to have, I want my clients to tell me what their peak performance would look like. That's a starting point of, of programming is like, what would you like to be able to do with your body within the constraints of your physical abilities? And then also like your lifestyle, your time, your age, your size, like all of that. The fascinating like mysteries of human movement is we have so much movement diversity that there's no way that one person can move in all the ways that they could, even looking at physical constraints. So right. We're unique in some of that, in some of our adaptability, mm -hmm. maybe not ex exclusively unique to humans, but for a lot of animals, if a, you took a goat to the mountains, it wouldn't learn how to be a mountain goat. Now, generationally, mm -hmm. the descendants of that goat what? might yeah. start becoming mountain goats. Mm -hmm. We've sped up that process with the way our nervous systems and our structural systems work in that yeah. you take human child to the mountains and it doesn't matter what their ancestry is. They can learn to be mountain people and climb mountains and learn how to move in that mm -hmm. because we have such an ability to expand our movement horizon. Yeah, and I think your metaphor of language actually works well here, right? There's no, it's not expected of me to learn, like it, I could try to learn every single language in the world, but I probably wouldn't be able to in my lifetime. And is that the right. point? Like I should learn the languages right. that I both need and want to learn. And I think the same is true here. You should cultivate a movement practice around the things you A, need and B, want to be able to do. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So in our coaching, we're really interested in getting your movement wherever you want it to be. Yes. Peak, peak performance is what you define it as. Absolutely. Um, so I think we try to like reclaim that from a physical training perspective of like your mm -hmm. goals are your own and the way and we're just helping you get there 
And then when we look in, we're definitely very biased by our natural movement focus. But mm-hmm. even in that, we're not what what we define natural movement is at, at Move Nourish is a lot more dynamic for different bodies, di- different movers than mm-hmm. just this idea of, OK, natural movement is these movements. We even can look at we'll talk about movement nutrients like the hinge pattern. And you know, we can think of the hinge as the deadlift of lifting a big, heavy thing. But we can also think of the hinge as you know, the way that you sit and stand up from a chair. And so we look at these movement nutrients and a lot of times we might talk about them in a certain way, but there's lots of room for finding how these patterns fit into different bodies and different abilities. Yeah. I think like talking about them as reference points and touch point their application in a gym. For me, I do that from a standpoint of comfort for myself, admittedly, because that's the context in which I have spent the most time. But also that I, I think that is recognizable to folks that's not the if that specific iteration of a hinge for example is not the goal i can show someone a video of someone doing a deadlift in a gym and there's going to be a video somewhere of that so i can show that to someone and use that so i think it's lingua franca of movement world for better or for worse and i think we can leverage that language and use those examples and point to them without while also saying that this is not the only example by any means of what it means to have a healthy hinge pattern incorporated into your life Hmm. exactly i agree 100 percent. yeah all right my friends let us know connect with us on social leave us a comment if you have any questions we have been discussing movement as your birthright regardless of ability level regardless of size or age or gender and how that actually has a historical precedent and how that should empower you to move however you want to move and cultivate the movement practice that is whatever peak performance means for you Thank you for listening to the Move Nourish podcast. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Forrest. And we'll catch you next time.